0: Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. It's our Christmas special. Everybody, we're gonna be discussing the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. I'm Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. How's it going? <sighs> you know, I can't believe we put it off this long. To tell you the truth, after all these years of like discussing like campy movies and horror films and stuff like that, this never came up. I think you mentioned it once, and we're like, well, I don't know. It seems like a lot of people do this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that we didn't do this for Trash Cinema, yeah. Yeah, it's uh there's a lot of Christmas horror movies now. Thinking about like back then there was a couple. There's Black Christmas in 74. I think there was like Don't Open Till Christmas, Christmas Evil, Elves, which I I think you and I did. Um but it, like and then it kind of died away for a really long time. And then like I don't know, it feels like Krampus really kicked things into overdrive. Like, now there's like 50 horror movies set at Christmas every year.
1: Yeah, especially if you, like, what we did for for this, which is delve the the 2B playlist, you're going to find a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, Santa Claus fighting monsters.
0: Yeah, there's also, like, I think it was two episodes ago where we discussed Deep Blue Sea. And if you look between Jaws and Deep Blue Sea there's hardly any shark movies there was maybe three or four and most of those were low-budget you know foreign movies to cash in at the very end of jaws 4 which is 87 and now you get what 15 20 a year it's it's crazy now we're getting like you know it's it's eventually i feel like they're going to run their course like the way zombie movies have run their course oh yeah they
1: haven't already like it's like uh, how well did the Meg 2 do? You know? It
0: did It did well overseas, but it did, it did about half of what it did in America. Yeah. So I, I feel like, well, I feel like any of those franchises or uh, genres, mini genres, really only have like a small run. If they last more than 10 years, it's a shock. There was, you know, like if you think about it, there was always like, remember there was a time when it was all these buddy cop movies and then there were serial killer movies and then, you know, now the superhero movies are starting to wind down. Look, guys, stop being delusional. They're dying, okay? There's going to need to be something else. Um, but I think that's what it is of horror. I think even the ghost movies have started to taper off a bit, which is maybe the longest-lasting, like, boom in horror. I mean, that's, that was 20-something years. Uh, I don't
1: know. I feel like there's, I feel like there's still a, a shitload of ghost movies, though. I know.
0: It's because they're cheap to make. And they, but I don't know. I'm waiting for that That's next true. thing it, to work. It also depends how
1: you define one as well.
0: Besides, ghost movies are usually classy. They're for the people who don't like horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you consider...
1: Uh, what was it? Sinister? Is that a ghost? Would you consider that a ghost? I scene?
0: Here's the irony is I own the movie. I've never seen it.
1: Okay. I saw the first one and I completely forgot everything that happens in it. I think yeah. there's a, a film projector... And then it has, like, a guy with a weird mask that looks like he's in Slipknot.
0: Oh. Um
1: I think he kills kids, but I don't know if it's, like, he his ghost is alive or if, like, the projector is alive. I don't really remember, but I don't know if you would consider that a ghost movie. Huh. I, I, I think I would, but I don't know if maybe it's Slasher. I'm not
0: sure. Yeah. But um, there's another little mini-genre. I don't know if it's a genre or a trend, I should say, is... Uh, the first movie did okay, I guess, in your you know, based on what the budget was or expectations were, did well on video, and then it would last for many, many entries, many sequels. Half the time, never even connected to the original movie, um, and and usually they were done by companies like IVE, which kept the howling alive, uh, a couple others, and this. Silent Night, Deadly Night was one where like every year, every two years, they had a new entry, all very, very low budget, but as long as it cleared, like, okay, so this last one made $2 on video, they knew they could make one for half a million and make a decent profit. Some of these companies just chug along making small profits off of small movies, and that's how they stayed alive.
1: Yeah, and I feel like this is one of those types of, kind of like the Hellraiser series where... Like, clearly, some of these movies were already written or already made ahead of time, and then they just slapped the label uh,
0: on on top of it. Well, yeah, it's interesting, because you look at some franchises, and either they were sold overseas as something else, or they were bought from overseas. And so, like, you know, the whole uh, Dawn of the Dead zombie series, you know, over in Italy, all those were called zombie. And there's, like, a ton of those. There was Demons, you know, a bunch of sequels to that. Um, House. The third one was sold as the horror show here, but sold as House 3 overseas, and for some reason House 4 was released. So like in America, we're like, where the fuck's House 3? We didn't know. Um, But Silent Night, Deadly Night is one of the weirdest franchises because the first one, I don't know if it would have been more successful if it hadn't been pulled from theaters after two weeks. Um... Or was it the controversy of that that kept it going more than you know? It only made two and a half million, but it also cost like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. And I'm just wondering, like, oh, if people hadn't been complaining about this movie and giving it a lot of free promotion, would it have even made two and a half million dollars, or would it have disappeared? Well, it was uh, removed from the theaters after only a week, so it, oh, okay, it, no it's
1: way. very possible that it could have did it could have done more. Uh, I don't see, that's the thing that I thought was kind of interesting when I was researching this one, was because it seems like a lot of people who worked on the movie felt like, it felt like this movie would have made it. Like, it would have been heralded as, like, a good quality horror film, um if it wasn't for the fact that, like, the whole thing with the Santa Claus killer is kind of what got kicked out of theaters because it was scaring kids because, you know, it's got on the cover it's Santa Claus with a hatchet that are going down someone's chimney.
0: Well, that's um, well, I'm, what I'm confused by is it's not flat-out Santa Claus. It is literally just an arm. You, yes, I guess technically it looks like, you know, oh, yeah, you can tell it's Santa Claus. But it's, it's not as if Santa was covered in gore coming at you with an axe. And two, the poster was controversial where kids... There's no way on fucking earth that parents were taking their kids to this unless they were morons. You have to... It says Silent Night, Deadly Night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it was just kind of one of... It was just one of those weird things that suddenly everyone got really upset about and they wanted to ban it because... Of a b and c reason yeah and interestingly enough people behind you know who made the movie really thought that it it could it could have it could have made it if it wasn't for it being taken out of yeah
0: i heavily disagree with that because uh a nightmare on elm street part one came out the same year right oh i think okay, the same the weekend. quality of those yeah. two movies
1: it's very clear how low budget and kind of and not to, in a, in honestly, a little low effort that the first one is.
0: Yeah, uh, at best, I can see maybe it hitting ten, maybe twelve million, just because of the time it was released. You know, it was slowly played and then moved into the drive, or I guess the drive-ins not, maybe the is at this time, and then slowly petered out by Christmas. Yeah, um, it's a more unique concept
1: that some people might want to go check out, just because, like, oh, a Santa Claus killer—I've never seen that
0: before. Yeah, I mean, there's one before 1980. There was one I just watched. It's called Christmas Evil. And it's very interesting. I want to watch uh, discuss it later down the road. Is that the, the entire movie is from the viewpoint of the killer, and the the killer is like a neurotic, anxiety ridden mess. It, he's just he's not like your typical killer, and I thought that was really fascinating. Um, oh, I have a good I have a good movie to pair
1: with that if we do that.
0: down the line. Oh, Okay. Uh, it's funny is that it's been almost forty years since this came out, and we're still like losing our fucking minds because. Uh, it's a Wonderful Knife just came out, and I'm seeing all over like conservative TV news stuff. is like, oh, they're desecrating the holy holiday. Really? Are you still mad about this? it has been a 100 Christmas horror movies since then. Wait, uh, is that the one with uh, the John Woo action movie? No, that's Silent Night. That's, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Knife is from the guys that did Freaky uh, and uh, Happy Death Day. Oh, okay. I have not heard about this one. But it's just so funny because it's like, oh, all you're doing is giving it free hype. (laughs) Nobody really cares anymore. Uh, But yeah, at the time, this came out. Yeah, it was pulled from theaters. And I remember that Mickey Rooney, there's a clip of it on YouTube where (laughs) Mickey Rooney is bitching. He's like, I'm going to go bop these people in their nose. (laughs) How dare they? And then, lo and behold, shows up in part five. (laughs) You knew. (laughs) it was like, hey, even if it wasn't called Silent Night, Deadly Night at the time... He was still making a horror movie set at Christmas.
1: But, but that's the interesting thing. Was Silent Night, Daily Night, Part 5 always Silent Night, Daily Night, Part 5 or something else and then they just slapped the name on it because it yeah. had nothing to do with the series? Maybe it was just a situation where it was called something else and then they did it later.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're pre-sold titles and that's the biggest deal, especially back then when every video store was so hungry for content. Um, for like 15 years, they were desperate just to fill those shelves. And then slowly that started to fade away when instead of buying like four or five copies of the big movies, they decided they're going to buy 150 of the popular titles and then only one copy of the lower stuff. And that stuff never got to break through again. But, uh, let's talk about the movie and God damn that opening sequence with the old man in the mental hospital I find, truly horrifying. It's the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, the,
1: the, the father or the grandfather. Situation. Yeah. Yeah, it was so ominous because it, it had... I thought it was going to have farther-reaching consequences to it. Yeah, it does feel like a drop ball. I thought it was going to be like, he used the, the Santa Claus killer the whole time. I thought it was going to be something like that. There was going to be some reveal. I was kind of disappointed that it didn't happen, but yeah, I was definitely very interested from the
0: start. It would be interesting if they had done that. Like, it was some sort of either in the blood, like a genetic thing. Oh, you're cursed. Every one of us goes insane and becomes a killer or something like that. You know, because I think that... Was it Billy? Billy's in the first one. I don't believe his turn that you know that much. I just don't. I just like oh, okay. <laughs> That's a big push. It kind yeah. It comes pretty fast. I mean they
1: they lay down some groundwork, but it, it all happens within like ten minutes.
0: You would think that he would be killing Santa Clauses. That's right. where the plot should go. Not killing innocent people.
1: Yeah, like, I would, I I was kind of hoping there would be a scene that he's working, and then, the, you know, they hire a, a Santa Claus uh, character to come in, and then he, like, freaks out and kills the guy in front of the kids, or, like, something weird happens, but it just kind of goes in the direction that's kind of obvious.
0: Yeah, it's still a well-made lobe. I mean, like, okay, so I know it's, like, a $350,000 movie, but... It still looks good. I think that uh, what they had, they did a good job. It's decent actors. I, okay, decent. so well, here's the thing that's really interesting. I don't
1: know. No, we watched the same version. So what was interesting is that the video quality dipped significantly during the, the, the violent scenes. Yeah. And I, I found out that wasn't uh, because there was some kind of mistake. That Well, I mean, it did happen on mistake. But the reason was that they actually got a different director to shoot the violent scenes. The original director didn't want to do them.
0: Yeah, the original um, director did all of these really wholesome uh, family movies and documentaries throughout the late 70s, early 80s. Because like, you know, in the 80s, for some reason, we're fascinated with uh, the Bigfoot and UFOs and Bermuda Triangle and King Tut, and he would shoot all these documentaries about them. That was his bread and butter.
1: Yeah, so it's. It, it, some of the especially funny uh, parts are when. The, the camera quality dips because whoever is doing his shooting is not as competent as a person or they just, you know, there was some kind of thing that happened and there's a lower quality. But what's funny is that it'll like flip back and forth between higher quality and lower quality at the same time. And so you can kind of get a sense of like what was shot by who uh, and then how they edit it together is kind of funny. But um, regardless, that, that is something that is kind of strange about this movie.
0: It's, you would think that. I think Shop Factory has uh the home version of this, or did have the home version of this for a while. On Blu ray, you'd think that they would have gone on and cleaned up to make it smoother. You'd think so. Hmm. It says, yeah, they found... <laughs> edit out. Well, it says here TriStar edited out all the uncut footage from all their negatives. So how did he find it? That's. Oh, uh, I wonder. Yeah, kind of, this whole thing's kind of a mess now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I still think it's a, an interesting uh, horror film. It does move really well, um, has some good kills. The sad part is I can't imagine who – I mean, I don't know if the original theatrical version even had all these gory moments or what. But, you know, like the impaling on the the horns or whatever. I was like, oh, that's okay. Now we're going to cut the nasty you – know, like your raw footage looks like it's 16 millimeter, you know? Um, yeah, it
1: kind of reminded me a little bit of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, but like not nearly as good
0: as that movie. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. I should watch it sometime. Oh my god, dude, you have to see that. The um, I think it's really fascinating. Is watching because I was a child during this time period, and I was watching all the shelves in the toy store. <laughs> I had that. I had that. I wanted that. I knew someone who had that. Like all those toys, <laughs> I was the exact same age as like that audience. <laughs>
1: I would disagree a little bit. I think, I, I think we both agree that like him becoming killing random people doesn't really make a lot of sense, especially when his trauma specifically around Mother Superior and Santa Claus. Right. So him just going house to house killing people doesn't really make sense. So that's why, for me, the scene of like impaling on the um, the head of the deer doesn't really make sense. Uh, I, I was just confused by that.
0: Oh no no! I meant they were good. I meant they were good special effects wise. I was just like, okay, cool. It was some actual blood. No, I think the whole thing is an incoherent mess. Because like you know, you you think he would kill Santas, or you think he would kill nuns. Something, and none of it makes any sense. Because you think that it would be more interesting if he thought he was doing good, Um, and that Santa. The irony be that Santas are now naughty, and that he was a vigilante protecting the world from them.
1: Yeah, it actually they kind of expand a little bit more on that in the sequel, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, like, for instance, when he first flips, his first kill is the guy that's basically uh, sexually assaulting that woman, the girl that he likes. Yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, so he's going to kill, like, naughty people, and that's kind of how we're going to go from here. But then he just immediately kills her, too, even though she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> uh, so it just, it just became really fucked up for no reason. I didn't really get it.
0: Yeah, and I think that cop at the end of the movie when uh, he just opens fire on any Santa—did <laughs> you think yeah. about maybe winging him? I was like, that's the most accurate cop I've ever seen on film. Yeah, I was like, no, you can't wing him or warn him or anything. No, no shot in the air. Nope, he, he just did. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it ends well. I think it's just it's a uh, of its time, and it's. Wait, didn't they? Didn't they
1: leave that same cop who just killed like the a priest? In a
0: Santa costume, was it, Didn't they keep him on the on the on the scene? Yes, the yes, they and, left him there. Killed someone in front of children. They're like, yeah, now he's gonna hang around with you guys with a gun still. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told her, and then he was like holding his gun
1: around the kids, like he didn't have it holstered either. It was so weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sequel is interesting because I can't imagine anybody pulling the shenanigans this company was trying to pull. They were literally going to re-edit the movie. I don't know how they were going to re-edit it, in different order. I don't know. And they were going to try to resell it. And someone decided, hey, if you give me like $150,000, I'll shoot like some extra stuff around it or whatever to make a, a whole new movie. No, I don't care how. This is not a whole new movie. It's 40% the original film. It's just him like randomly coming in and going, okay, well, you know what? Like overacting to the hilt. And it's like this is like
1: forty I think it's like literally half of the movie, like I checked once they stopped doing the flashbacks, yeah. it was like the 45 minute mark, which is exactly half of the movie.
0: First off, it's fucking bizarre that he would even know this stuff. He was an infant for half of He a was time. a baby in the car that couldn't see over the seat. Yeah.
1: Or o- over the, the dashboard. Like, how the hell is he gonna witness all of this? He's not gonna remember it even if he saw it. I think, he, I think he, they he, even make a joke about that. Didn't the guy be like, wait, you were a child when this happened I and mean, then he got confused by that, but then just kept going anyway?
0: Yeah, it almost feels like the whole thing's a spoof. But I
1: thought that there was going to be some kind of reveal that the the guy who's talking there isn't
0: actually the baby. He's like some kind of third party or something. And yeah, just yeah. Shit up. I was the car. I yeah. pe- took, <laughs> I took human form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. What I was reading is that the director and the writer or producer uh, had conflicting ideas of how they wanted Ricky to be played. One said, yes. you know, play it as if it was a spoof, and the other one played it, you know, like, oh, no, no let's, let's tone this down a little bit and make it more menacing. And it's just, I can see why the the actor was like, dude, what now? What, is, yeah. is this a comedy or not a comedy? <laughs> Garbage day! yeah i mean but to this actor's credit he nails it It even though he's giving
1: completely conflicting reports about how he should act he he nails it
0: yeah i think you have to see this as a comedy it's as if someone was like okay uh you know like when you tell your friends when you were a kid about a movie you saw on the playground it feels like that (laughs) like <laughs> okay, so then this next part, and then and then uh, and then it's not completely accurate or doesn't make complete sense because you know you're a kid, and your memory isn't that good.
1: Mm-hmm. And for me, I think that the second one is probably better in the sense that I felt like there was a lot of extra fluff in the first movie that wasn't necessary, or that it was kind of a mess to begin with. That just editing out things didn't matter because like the buildup in the first movie doesn't make sense. So yeah, well, you, know, you, you so do save middle your middle stuff doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, you do save yourself time. Skip the first movie and watch yeah. the second one because you got everything you need from the first one, a lot less time, and then you got a comedy. It's kind of like the way Gremlins Two kind of kicks the first movie in the balls, even though it's from the same director. <laughs> that kind of thing is like ah fuck it, it was fun. Let's go you know poke fun at this.
1: Yeah, he just, he tries to pull a Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, but he did not nail it.
0: Yeah, the the sequence in the movie theater might be my favorite, because everybody is cranked up to 11. You got the shitty ex-boyfriend, who, by the way, I looked him up, I showed you a picture, I go, have you seen part two yet? And turns out he's like a guru, fitness guru for the military for the last 30 years.
1: You're talking about the guy who's Chip?
0: Yeah, Chip with the blonde hair, yes. What the fuck? yeah. Um, And then there's the two guys at the back of the theater. Well, the ones, the actual one doing the acting, whatever. But he is killing me. First off, I do want to punch him in the fucking throat. But also at the same time, I'm like, you know what? This kind of movie, he's perfect for.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you need to to kill him to make a point. But um, yeah, it was satisfying to have to to shut that guy up. Uh, Also, it's very strange because the movie they're watching is the first movie. Even though he literally just recounted. Yep. The, the the first movie so that was very strange but that's the thing that i thought And again i thought that was going to go somewhere cool like oh shit he's watching the first movie is he lying to the to the guy in prison is he just recounting the oh, movie
0: that he watched that would be funny yeah or he could go mm-hmm. into the movie or he came out of the movie he's a magical entity <laughs> yeah i mean like why not at, the, at that point the uh the third one is the last of the Ricky storyline, the Ricky Billy storyline, whatever. And that one is really strange because it's like they were going on a route of campy, outrageous stuff, but it seems like this time they're trying to take it seriously. And I think. That's
1: what threw me for a loop.
0: Yeah, well, I think. Its the, concept is so
1: ridiculous that I was excited because I thought it was going to be super silly. And then it went to the very, like serious dark direction.
0: Yeah, the it was, I think part of it is because the director Monty Hellman is known for doing like kind of unique independent movies in the 70s, not horror. I mean, that really wasn't his thing. The only reason I think he did any of that stuff is um, because he had worked for Roger Corman for so long as he knew how to make movies on a very fast budget and short amount of time. I'm trying to remember. Monty Hellman took over for a couple very successful movies because... Oh, Avalanche Express. Okay, not successful, but they're big studio films. Um, he, What happened was the director died on uh, this movie with Muhammad Ali called The Greatest. And he was brought in to finish the film and, and do the post-production. And then he did uh, uh, Avalanche Express with Lee Marvin when uh, the director and the main star died and so that kind of like filled his time and he was known for doing stuff very efficient very fast and I think they probably told him hey you can do this like in two weeks at most whatever collect a paycheck yeah, I was going to say I would,
1: maybe three days I yeah
0: and nobody's going to notice because it's going to go straight to video I'm surprised he didn't even change his name to tell you the truth I really thought that he would be like okay well if I'm going to do this I'm going to have a pseudonym I uh, wasn't
1: wasn't that the one that didn't have a listed director? Was that the fourth one?
0: No, there's one a director. Those... There's a director on all five of them.
1: No, no, there's a director, but I, I remember one of them. I was uh, I, when the credits started, it didn't say who the director was. Huh.
0: I can't remember which one it was though. Here's the craziest part: is before he did this movie, he did most of the action sequences for RoboCop. Fucking RoboCop which had great action sequences, was a big hit. And his reward was Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 3. <laughs> and, that's, and that's disappointing because the action sequences in this one aren't good either. I will say this. If he hadn't done this movie for IVE, um, he wouldn't have been attached to the studio at the time that he brought Reservoir Dogs to them. So we can oh. thank him for Quentin Tarantino's entire career. Pretty much. I mean, I'm assuming maybe Quentin would have broken through some other way, but Reservoir Dogs was his Monty Hellman's discovery. So, yay! Um, All right, well, give him that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, so, basically, I
1: think we need to discuss the plot of this one because it's not it's very—it's not as simple as the, as the other two. So, basically, what happens is that there is a man who's conducting studies on psychic connections. Uh huh. Uh, so there's this gal who is blind that's our main character who is going through this study to try to waken uh, someone who's in a coma um, whose uh, brain is exposed and encased in plastic uh, like a plastic cage for some reason Um, and she gets flashes of who this person is and then we find out eventually that it was Ricky the, the killer from the second movie and he travels to
0: try to find her, and I'm not sure why. So I must fine. because to... even when you're brain dead, soup head, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> monosyllabic, you still got to get some booty. That's what it is. It's ultimately the rules that's of. Sci-
1: well, like, is it because he wanted to have sex with her? Did he like? Does he need to kill her to get his memories back? Like they never established because he doesn't say anything, and that's disappointing because it's Bill fucking Mosley. Yeah. Uh, who is like iconic for playing psychotic characters, and he's just completely subdued. Like, he just wasted a golden opportunity, especially when he's playing Ricky, who in the second movie was so bombastic and crazy it's like that would be a perfect time to cast bill mosley as an older version of that yeah
0: it's one of the biggest fuck-ups the only thing i can see is that they needed someone who could handle makeup for a, a long period of time without bitching and moaning <laughs> and he, they, they, someone in the special effects crew probably knew him and said okay well he needs the job i mean it's not like bill mosley's ever been a big name so he's probably like i get twenty five thousand dollars for two weeks okay yeah, <laughs> that's it exactly but yeah, it really wastes his talent. What It could be also like he's just trying to silence the connection. Maybe maybe he just wants to be at peace. Maybe he wants to die. I don't know. They don't really explain it. But what if he was just falling her so he could finally silence that beacon that's keeping him going? Yeah, I, I
1: don't know. It's it, Nothing is really established. It just kind of happens. And then the last that like, the first half is pretty good because it kind of keeps the mystery going. And then the last half kind of falls apart as it's like just people walking around an empty house and you're just waiting for something to happen yeah. and then nothing happens.
0: So. For me, the only thing in this movie that works is the Robert Culp stuff. He's the older detective. That's, he The best fucking dialogue, I swear. And you know that he shot all of that probably in one day. And just everything he says to that doctor is fucking hilarious to me. See, that's the thing that
1: I, I feel like those were 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 done after the movie had already been made i feel like this movie was just about this gal who awakens someone in a coma who turns out to be a serial killer and then i i feel like those scenes that establish who he is as being ricky were done after the movie was already made to just to make a weak connection so you can call it silent night person. yeah
0: i guess that or they needed some name <sighs> some name they could sell like okay this guy was on iSpy and he was in a couple studio films you know 10 years ago we can get him for a day and just let him kind of improv the dialogue let him have fun like literally it looks like it was shot in maybe less than one day like you know 20 minutes in the the police station an hour in the car five minutes at the ranch done <laughs> yeah it's because he's
1: a, he's kind of superfluous to most of the movie like literally after like the scene of them driving and talking he gets out of the car to pee i think and then the guy steals the car to go to the thing and then you never see that detective again i don't think yeah cause
0: I, I, cause oh that, no 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 at me, the very it, end the very end he shows up at the ranch when the doctors die and he's like i guess you won't be calling me in the morning or something like that which that that joke it doesn't make sense because or me i won't be calling you in the morning because you know how that rule is you take two and call me in the morning and see how you feel Um, it's gonna play on that joke yeah he's like
1: i don't even remember that (laughs) yeah it's
0: after he the doctor gets stabbed in the chest or whatever and then you think he's dead and the guy goes well i guess i won't be calling you in the morning he's like oh fuck you (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah,
1: this was a this was probably the
0: weakest entry I just don't understand why. Why did they open his brain like that? Like it must have been really cumbersome. I feel like they could have just knocked that thing, you know, just a little bit and loosened it, and his brain over like, you know, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, there was a
1: really cool sequence in the in the opening when she's dreaming and like the the, the pot is filling with blood. Yeah,
0: it's such uh, a like, weird. That's weird the
1: question. only thing that was that, that that was interesting.
0: So the fourth one is uh, very interesting because like four and five. Truly feel like they were made just as a whatever, and then later they added the name to it. And um, it, there, there's something like really goofball about Four and Five that I really enjoy, even though, yes, again. No,
1: the fourth, no, fourth one the best one, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, yeah, uh, because Brian Yuzna, he, he worked with Screaming Mad George, and both of them have very unique visual style. Yuzna, I believe, had just come off of doing Bride of Reanimator and Society. And, Both excellent films. Yeah, and, and he had worked with Stuart Gordon on the first Reanimator and From Beyond, so he had kind of that sensibility of just really out there special effects.
1: Yeah, the special effects were the best, I think, of the
0: series. Oh, yeah, there's some stuff in there. You can tell it is low budget, but what they have is very creative visually. And there's lots of goop. Man, if you don't like goop, <laughs> bugs, that kind of shit. Then what are you doing, you know? Come yeah, on, you're, this is Brian Hughes that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, you're doomed if you don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's one of these where it's barely Christmas. I mean, it takes place at Christmas. You see Christmas lights in the back, but it really has nothing else to Actually, do. Actually,
1: I don't think it does until, like, the last ten minutes. I think that was it. Oh, no, no, no. There is one connection to Silent Night, which is that the homeless guy walks into the couple having sex and on the tv is is the third movie that he's watching that's literally it
0: yeah it's really confusing too is that Clint Howard's character is named Ricky and i was like wait what the fuck is yeah, this supposed it, to be
1: yeah i was like is that Ricky like what do we do it's so confusing but they're just messing with us but yeah. that's kind of to me that was kind of funny but
0: yeah, I do feel like a lot of the sequels, they can't make up their mind. Is this a spoof, or are they just having fun with it, or are they trying to be serious? And that's the problem with the tone of all of it, is that, it's like, well, is this a spoof, a joke, or not?
1: Yeah, so I would say, that, so the fourth movie has nothing to do with serial killer Santa Clauses or anything like that. It is more about this woman kind of being inducted into a witch coven.
0: Yeah. A bug witch coven. It's very strange. Yeah, and honestly,
1: it's pretty good. It, it, it deals a lot with uh, with sexism. Um, and, you know, it has something to say. And it, it's probably the best one. It's not perfect. It's not great. But um, I, I appreciate it for actually trying to say something and doing something unique.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think Yezna gets... I think he's been... He talked about in an interview where he got nervous because once they were ready to put it out and make it a Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, entry or whatever, he's like, oh, shit, this isn't really a Christmas movie. And then tries to make it up with the fifth one. And there's still some interesting special effects, and I like the cast. I do not like that kid, though. Good God. Close your mouth, kid. You're going to catch flies. <laughs> but...
1: Um, yeah, so what... One thing that I saw people talking about that I completely disagree was that there was a giant cockroach in her apartment um, that's never really mentioned. She doesn't actually see the thing; um, it's just kind of hanging out there. Yeah. And people were saying like, "Oh, this is like this is a, a, a unique spin on uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis." Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. What are yeah, you yeah. talking about? That has nothing to do with Metamorphosis. They're not at all the same. Just because there's a cockroach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not—it's not that smart. Let's not give him too much credit. Um, but it. Um, oh, what else was I going to say about it? Oh, I actually really liked uh, Clint Howard's character. It was so interesting that like he would—he would kill people um but he didn't really seem to like it either it was like it was it was a thing that he had to do to get the to help people it was a very it's kind of it was a weird mix of emotions there
0: yeah it's it's almost like the witches had more control over him it's like he wasn't making the the choice himself that it's just the way it was like oh okay i i if i want to survive i want to keep going you know i have to do this i have to give over my willpower
1: yeah, there was, like, this one part where he's killing the, the gal's uh, kind of boyfriend, um, where he's where he's trying, like, the, the boyfriend's trying to help her and like, uh, trying to save her um, by saying, like, you know, they don't take her. She's, you know, she's my partner. And he's saying, like, what do you mean? You don't own her. And then and proceeds to kill him. And then he forces her to come with him. So I don't know. It was very confusing.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I'm not sure what the message was
0: supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> So 5 is really interesting, like I said, Mickey Rooney who condemned the first one signs up for the fifth one even though I'm not 100% certain he knew that it was part of that franchise. Um, Same producer and he tried to make up for it by making it more Christmas oriented. And this one's unique because it takes a classic story and does a horror Christmas spin on it with Pinocchio and uh, uh, Geppetto.
1: Yeah, um, we'll get to that (laughs) because it gets very strange. Um, but I did enjoy kind of the buildup. There's a lot more mystery around what was happening, and a lot of uh, confusion about like kind of like who the villain is of the story. Yeah, because you have the, the toy maker, and like the the toys are like killing people, right? Uh huh. Um, and that's kind of where the trauma begins. Where this guy, where this kid's uh, father is killed by um, a toy, and um, the kid's now scared of toys, basically. And so when you see the toy maker, he seems like this genuinely nice person, Um, but then he's like really mean to his own child. So you think like, okay, so he's probably the guy that's making him. That would make the most sense. Yeah. But then there's this other mystery guy who keeps like following the kid around and, and the wife and he hands a present over and says, don't open till Christmas, which is exactly the thing that was written on the present that killed the father so you think oh wait he's the killer so like there's a lot of good there's a lot of good mystery in this one
0: i think it's hilarious that uh geppetto uh, his shop is called pedos toys yes no toys. one thought <laughs> that might be a bad idea
1: <laughs> which i think is extra funny considering that uh we're it's mickey rooney who's called the pedo yeah, yeah it, it Fuck yes. They're really just fucking with them at this
0: point. I almost felt like, yeah, that was like, this is punishment. This is the first yeah. one that I had heard of, by the way. I went to, there was a little video store uh, downtown run by a guy who was always run out of business because he would do this thing where he would rent the screeners, which you're not allowed to do. He was constantly getting his video, door, uh, video store shut down and it would open up a year or two later again and he pulled the same shit, get shut down. But I remember one day wandering in there. Uh, following the posters the whole way down the hallway and seeing a poster for Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 and I was like what is this? I've never heard of this. How are there five of them? (laughs) It took me years later to watch them but I was always like how do these franchises exist? I've never heard of. (laughs) But um, I really think the kid who plays Pinocchio was really good. I thought the special effects were really clever uh, on a very tight budget. I liked his I liked his makeup design.
1: Yeah, the the reveal at the end was at first very silly. That like, oh, it's a robot, really? And then like, his acting is actually really good, yeah. and you kind of buy into it and becomes creepy, especially when he starts like kind of humping the woman, even yeah. though it's like, I want to be your son, and then he's humping
0: her. I don't know what the hell is going on. It's so creepy. Some and weird. malfunction.
1: Also I... very funny, but
0: it's I had a lot of conflicting emotions in that. The. Uh... The guy who plays him was it kept. I was like, he looks so familiar. This is gonna drive me crazy. And I looked it up, and he is the redneck kid in Pumpkinhead that helps the other. you know, when Lance Henderson wants revenge for his son being killed, and he goes about you know reviving the, the demon, um, he's yeah. the the redneck kid who tries to help the the, the city folk
1: it's been too long at all yeah,
0: but that's the only thing I've ever seen him in he only did like five movies or whatever five things and then just disappeared and I was like ah oh, that's him <laughs> <laughs> yeah I he's in guy, general he's really good in this yeah I think yeah I wish he got more work because I was actually kind of interested in his performance it's sweet but once you know his motivations you're like okay this all makes sense he wants to be a real boy he's mimicking the behavior of a sweet kid not necessarily being one right and
1: that again with the like how much this movie kind of like adds mystery and twists and turns by the end of the movie him like wanting to be free of the person that's been you know killing him over and over again um, you feel for him but then you realize that he's like orchestrating this whole elaborate plan to kill this child so that he could take his place which doesn't even make sense but that's (laughs) his level of desperation and how psychotic he is yeah it's so interesting it's so unique (laughs) Um, to, like, to like that kind of uh, Geppetto story. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. The um,
0: br- I wish 5 had been more successful and wasn't the end of the franchise because I feel like Brian Yuzna could have produced a couple more in this line with his unique sense- a, a, a sensibilities but also with good special effects. Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah. That's the kind of thing that's disappointing is that in this particular franchise uh, diminishing returns doesn't really work for this one. Yeah. Um, like I said, my fourth one is definitely my favorite and uh, the fifth one is probably number three for me actually.
0: okay yeah it's it's number three. Part three better watch out is the one that's the most confounding and frustrating. Just...
1: yeah that one's to me is the most obvious of uh, we have this movie sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. Uh, how do we sell this?
0: Yeah. And uh, that was a curse of those video franchises back then. Like, the Howling franchise. I wonder how many of those were, anyway, actual werewolf scripts. They're like, okay, well, let's just mold this into a Howling franchise. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you have Hellraiser,
0: which to me is, like, the most yeah. disheartening. Yeah. All right, so that I, is our I Christmas... Think f- maybe three or four out of the ten were actually meant to be Hellraiser movies. Yeah, probably. 10%. The uh, work print for part four is coming soon from Arrow. So I'm curious how different that one is. Wait, what? What
1: do you mean
0: by that? Uh, Arrow Films in England, they found a work print of Part 4. It's the only thing they have, and they're going to put it on. So they're releasing the original version, the one we saw in theaters and video, but they're adding a second disc with the work print because it's almost a completely different cut. The the director quit. Are you
1: talking about about Hellraiser or Silent Night, Daily Night? No,
0: Hellraiser 4. um,
1: Oh, Bloodlines.
0: Bloodlines, thank you, yes
1: oh okay Uh, that's actually awesome i really want to see that because there's um some people online you can see this on youtube for free basically people have like recreated the original script um re-editing the movie and adding their own scenes which are incredibly poor low quality crap
0: but is it with puppets Um, say what is it with puppets please say yes i don't
1: know i don't know if i don't know if it's with puppets i know it's like 3d Modeling that's really bad,
0: um,
1: but I really appreciate the hard work they put into it. Because if you watch it, it is a pretty decent Hellraiser movie uh, compared to like if you try to watch the actual movie that came out, it looks horrible.
0: I would like just enough money to go find movies that were chopped up and edited, but we find the original script and recreate them with puppets and blue screen. <laughs> <laughs> it costs well, like 150 I mean, bucks. We can do you it. Know? <laughs> 3D modeling puppets, sure. We'll call it that. <laughs> no, I want puppets like Muppets. Puppets. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah. No, you're not going to get that here. <laughs> All right, so that is the longest episode I think we've done in years. Because um, we haven't done a franchise in, wow, maybe four or five years. that, I think we did Halloween right before the new one came out. We did, but I... Oh, wait, maybe... Actually, yes, yeah, we did do that. Uh, but I think we split it up into two parts. I'm not sure. Oh yeah. Well, it is a long franchise, so it makes sense. All right. So that is yeah. our Christmas bonus for everybody. And look, I think I confused Kersey earlier, and he watched a whole bunch of things that he wasn't. I wasn't expecting him to watch. So we're going to make it up in January. We're going to do the Masters of Horror. We're gonna. We're gonna probably do a, two expect. or three episodes of that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch some of those.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we need to trim it down to the essentials because what there's like I think total of 16 episodes maybe just trim it yeah. like there's some that are absolutely required like the first episode the cigarette burns episode something like that the second season I don't know man I feel like the second season was pretty weak
1: yeah I think uh, we'll have to go over notes just like ones that are uh, top tier essential and then maybe just a couple of our personal favorites
0: okay that sounds good all right everybody that is it have a good one
1: goodbye